0: David Leo Schultz was curious as to what a film about the life of Christian songwriter Rich Mullins would look like. After meeting Dave Mullins, brother of Rich, Schultz shared his desire to make the film. After many discussions about the project, the two decided that they wanted to tell Rich's story, hoping to impact other people's lives. While some praised the film for its unflinching honesty, others criticized the film for that same reason. That was Ragamuffin.
1: And this is Godfellas!
0: Saddle up with McGee and me As we head on an adventure in Odyssey We'll focus on the family with a veggie tale It's the greatest adventure with great And welcome to another thrilling, exciting, magnificent episode of Godfellas, the small group that meets online. I'm Mr. Zach. I'm Mr. Brandon. And today we will be talking about the film Ragamuffin, based on the life of Christian singer-songwriter Rich Mullins. But ladies and gentlemen, before that, I am so, so excited. So, one more so, excited to introduce our guest today. He is a singer-songwriter himself. He writes amazing music. He is a worship leader extraordinaire. He's either my first or second favorite worship leader of all time. He's the man, uh, just a hero to me in so many ways, and he's in a little group called Outside Worship. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Marty Michaels.
2: Nice. Man, thanks so much for having me. Glad
0: to be here. No, no problem. It's it's our, you are actually one of my uh, when we started talking about doing the show and potential guests. I was like, oh, let me just write Marty in there and <laughs> nice. Find the nice. Perfect Good to know. Episode. Good to know. Yeah. And uh, we actually so I found out about this movie because uh, I wasn't familiar with Rich Mullins like as a person, like after listening to him, I was like, oh, I know that song. Yeah. But Marty used to do um, a cover of a song every Wednesday on his YouTube. And he started doing a lot of Rich Mullins songs. And I was like, these songs are like, not, not weird, but it's like, they're, they're pretty different from, you know, just your typical, here's an 80s-ish, you know, song yeah. about Jesus. And right. yeah, then when I heard about this movie and that it was free on Amazon Prime and YouTube, I said, oh, we gotta, we gotta have them on.
2: Nice. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm a huge Rich Mullins fan and uh, have been for over, gosh, 25 years, probably.
0: And, uh, Brandon, when I, whenever I, so usually I'll send out like, here's some of the movies coming up. Cause we have the, you know, Mitch and Brandon and I'll say, which ones, which ones do you want? And Brandon right away texted back. I want ragamuffin. So, uh, Brandon, would you care to elaborate on, on why yeah, that you is? Know,
3: so when I, when I first, you know, clocked that we were doing ragamuffin, I was thinking, uh, that this was like the Brennan Manning biopic. So like I did like a brief glance at what, what, you know, like your lineup, but this works out perfect for me. I'm also a huge Rich Mullins fan and I have been for, you know, forever. So I was just as excited when I did a little further reading and realized this movie was, you know, about the life of Rich Mullins. So yeah, this was a, this was a win. This was a win-win for me.
0: So uh, Marty, I talked a l- just a very little bit about um, outside worship and would you like to talk maybe a little bit? about what outside worship is
2: yeah so we're um, we're basically just a, a collective of, of worship leaders and songwriters and uh, we're' basically lifelong friends, but Phil Lager and Anna Street and myself, we've all known each other since we were teenagers and we're all in our forties now, which uh, is really, really tough to say, (laughs) but um, (laughs) yeah, humbling, I should say. um, But yeah, so we've known each other a really long time and have lived a lot of life with each other just as friends and um, as music makers. Even we used to be in a band way back in the day, uh, around 2001, 2002, Uh, called quarter past three and um yeah so like we we did that for a couple of years and then everybody like just we all kind of got married and got you know we just went different ways and um and then just found ourselves like gosh 14 years later um or however long it was uh (laughs) like as only god could orchestrate we all ended up in in brooklyn Mm. and uh reconnected and just all got back in each other's lives and our families. Like, cause we all have kids now. Um, we would just get together and, and, uh, just, you know, as they like to say in church circles, we got like, just fellowship, you know, yeah, uh, we would, uh, you know, we, we'd eat together and pray together and all kinds of things like that. But anyway, we just kind of felt like the Lord was, um, was calling us into uh, something different. And before it was like one of those things where we felt like God was calling us to places uh, to lead worship or to write songs mm-hmm. together or whatever. it actually started as um, we feel like the Lord just saying, Hey, you need to be singing together and worshiping together just for mm-hmm. you. For, if it doesn't matter if anyone else is in on it, 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 it's just, uh, this is for what, what you need to be doing. So anyway, long story short, that's, um, that's kind of where we are now. But, uh, so we've just released, um, our first full like record and, uh, it's just really, it's kind of crazy to think about, um, all that we've been through, even in just the last three years, since we first uh, officially became outside worship. So,
0: yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you uh, talk maybe a little bit about uh, your new album? What's it called? Uh- any standout uh, stories or things about the album?
2: Oh man, there's so many stories, and I won't I won't divulge into all those. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we so the album is called Here to Remember, and it comes that line comes from the title um, or the title track, I guess you, you want to call it or think of it that way. It Comes from a song called Alter, which is a remake of Come Now, Fount of Every Blessing, and this new um, kind of refrain or chorus um, that Phil actually wrote before but we decided to, you know, jump into this outside worship thing together. Uh, But he wrote this chorus with the words, um, you will not leave me, never forsake me. You're the God who brought me safe this far. I build an altar here to remember that you have been good for all my days. And so as the album kind of took shape and we decided to really launch into this um, after a successful Kickstarter campaign, um, we just started thinking about songs that we could write together or finish writing together um that we each maybe had brought from different places but um all the songs ended up being kind of like just testimony type songs songs about God's faithfulness and bringing us through you know the valleys and over the mountains and uh, everything in between so
0: Marty every time I I hear something that that you've written uh, I'm I'm always very impressed uh, I love we like you were talking about altars, we just did that at my church. Nice. Um, and you know, I've been doing another one of your songs with all my heart. Uh, I take that song everywhere. I I really <laughs> awesome. love and, awesome. and appreciate your music. And so, I'm curious, how do you personally approach writing worship music?
2: For me, it, if it, it just has to connect me to something, whether it's a um, if it's a passage of scripture, um, if it's you know if it's the words of Christ Himself, or if you know anything else like that. With all my heart, I'll use that as an example. That comes out of Deuteronomy chapter. Six. It's God um, reminding his people, you know, this is the most important thing. This is like the supreme thing to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Um, and it was like after he'd been re uh, uh, refamiliarized his people with the Ten Commandments. So if you actually go back and read it, the Ten Commandments. You know, they make their their uh, grand entrance, you know, back in Exodus. Right. But through Deuteronomy, like several things have happened. Several years have taken place between when, you know, Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. And, and God is reminding his people again that this is the thing. This is the most important thing. Don't forget it. And then he goes on to say, teach it to your children. Right. Write it on your door frames. Think about it when you get up in the morning and think about it when you lie down at night and think about it when you walk along the road. You know, I have heard those verses for years and years and years. I think for me, though, there was a moment when it just clicked and it it, it, it started to impress um, in my heart that like literally everything I do has to be consumed with um, doing the absolute best that I can to love God with all that I have. Yeah. Um, and so that song really just kind of came out of it. It's just one of those things like, you know, the chorus of that says, I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, soul and strength. Um, and I thought uh and I wrestle with that like could I just say I love you lord with all my heart with all my soul mm. and all my strength but I decided that putting that little word will in in the middle of it it's almost becomes like a declaration so that even if I don't feel like I'm doing it the right way even if I don't uh if I feel like like I'm I'm really just I'm botching this whole thing up this whole living in faith thing mm. I can still make good on my promise that I'm I'm going to try my very best and I may not get it right god but I'm going to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength, you know. And so, um, anyway, that's that's just one example. But I th- I think every song that I've written um, probably comes down to a moment like that where I've just I've connected with the heart of what was being said, whether it comes out of scripture or whether it's just kind of a, you know my own words. Um, it, it generally comes out of a response. La, 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 la.
0: Really knowing anything about Rich Mullen's life other than what Marty had had told me. You never really know what to expect, I think, when you go into, into a Christian movie, or I'm learning that more and more as I'm watching all of these. So this right. one, I, I really was like, is it going to be like, look at this amazing man, you should be more like this? Or... Is it going to be, you know, edgy and, you know, the movie is far from perfect. There are some glaring continuity errors that I'm sure we'll talk about. But I had I texted a buddy halfway through. I was like if you told me that a Rich Mullins movie was going to have me sobbing on my couch at like five o'clock on a Tuesday, I would say you're crazy. So I, I, I really uh, enjoyed the film. What did, uh, Brandon, what did, what did you think of the, of the movie?
3: I was less than thrilled on the whole. I I feel like Mm -hmm. as, as a Rich Mullins fan, as someone who grew up with his music and someone who had a very face value like relationship with Rich Mullins. I knew very little about his life. You know, I, I, I knew a lot about his music though. Uh, I feel like for me, it was jarring to see, you know, a lot of the things that he went through doesn't mean that they shouldn't be, you know, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have been filmed that way or told that way. I think the story, you know, is powerful. I feel like the, the film though, just, just a little depressing. I think there mm. was maybe, maybe a good film in there, you know. And and um, I realize someone's life is what it is. You know, it it, it shouldn't be dressed up. It shouldn't be altered. Sure. Uh, I felt like though the the film was uh, just just left me wanting in some areas.
0: Interesting. And, and Marty, what did you, when I asked you about this, you had said, I've never seen it. And then you said later, oh, wait, I have seen it. Yeah. So- <laughs> yeah, So It was one of the,
2: I've, I've seen and consumed a lot about Rich Mullins and um, you know, watched the documentaries that are on Netflix or YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and forgot that I watched this. I actually watched this for the first time in 2017 oh, wow. uh, when it was on Netflix. I was just, I mean, it was like, okay, uh, let's, let's see. I was skeptical at first. I thought, you know, whatever the stigma of Christian movie, whatever, yeah. um, all that aside, I was like, well, this is a man whose, you know, content I have consumed over the years. Why not? Let's, let's see what it's like. And I had heard a couple of things again from the documentaries or just stories, whatever. But man, when I watched it, I mean, yeah, I was like everything, even just visually, everything just seemed like overcast. Mm. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but like even I I went back and watched a little bit of it today, just kind of brush up on it. But like everything from like the beginning, um, all about his childhood, Mm -hmm. everything just kind of feels like it has this this really dark, almost like vintage, cloudy, overcast filter over top of everything. And I feel like that goes really well with um, the backstory. Now, um, I'm sure that a lot of this content uh, is close. I I can't say whether or not, I mean, I never knew the guy um, right. I did. Ha- it was one of those things. I had a friend of a friend who actually was connected with him. Um, but I mean, even that connection was, was really kind of sparse. One of the things I thought was really interesting was um, one of Rich's brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Dave, David um, is actually one of the, I think producers or you know uh of this film he actually plays a role in it he's the he's the radio
3: interviewer Mm -hmm. in the beginning i don't know if you caught on that but um, there was a likeness that i was picking up on yeah
2: yeah yeah, it's kind of weird because you think man that kind of looks like him here's another cool thing um the the kid who plays teenage you know wayne as they call him that's that was what his family called him Mm -hmm. um i think is either dave's son or lloyd's son so lloyd is the third of the mullins brothers and so they got this this kid who's like blood to rich mullins actually playing the teenage Rich Mullins, you know, which is again, it's one of those things. One uh, the the jarring part for me was to see, you know, this this kid uh you know as a teenager you know sitting out along like his barn fence and his mom's trying to console him about you know he's he's kind of given this woe is me thing about my dad just doesn't like me doesn't you know thinks i'm worthless or whatever and he's smoking a cigarette and that was like the first thing that i thought wait a minute (laughs) this this is a teenager (laughs) um and that was when i realized okay this is this is what i've got to settle in for and um throughout the rest of the movie um it was just one thing after another. And there's like, I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it at all, but I have a feeling that like a lot of people who watch this and, and were thinking of like, this is the senior praise of the Lord guy. This is the, our yeah. God is an awesome God guy. And yeah. like, you know, just the consummate contemporary Christian musician. Yeah. And here he is like with a cigarette in his hand, half the film, you know? Oh yeah. And,
0: um, and cursing.
2: Yeah. And it was like, what, what, this can't be right. This can't be right. But, um, I feel like they probably shed a lot of light on, um, just kind of, you know, maybe, (laughs) I don't want to say the industry so much as just like his involvement in the industry. And I'm sure we'll talk about some other stuff here coming up, right. but like, you know, just, just how, um, how much he really didn't care about perception and how his name was, was associated with the contemporary Christian movement. One of the scenes that i was my absolute favorite. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's, there's another, there's another documentary that's, I think on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, that verifies this it's his brother talking about or, or his friends there's a girl in the movie who they named sparkles or sprinkles i can't remember mm-hmm. but that's actually her last name oh wow uh one of his one of his friends there from college at cincinnati bible college but um you know she's actually telling the story about how she was actually the one who got or you know maybe it was the other girl it was anyway it doesn't matter one of his <laughs> close friends sent this recording this little tape recording of Singer praise to the lord um, unbeknownst to him to a record label in Nashville. And, um, that was when in the film, you see Amy Grant listening to it. Uh, and like the producers and and all the record label people are like, you know, what this is different. Are you sure? And Amy's like, yes, I gotta have it, you know? <laughs> and then fast forward to the, the record, um, record exec, like calling him, uh, and he's like, who, who, you know, why would anybody from Nashville be calling me first of all? And second of all, I don't care. I'm not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. You know? (laughs) And, uh, I mean that actually, as it's told by, you know, his closest friends that that were there, um, that actually happened. Like he had no interest whatsoever in having, you know, I'm sure he didn't even know who Amy Grant was. Mm. Um, (laughs) I think, and back in the day, I think she was still relatively new on the scene, but Anyway, like it's just things like that that just blew me away because I just didn't know, you know, and I think I, I, that might sound a little negative that way I'm saying it. But the positive side of all that is um, one of the most fascinating things that I've learned about Rich Mullins is that when he died
0: mm-hmm.
2: unexpectedly and tragically in a car accident, when he right. died, it's believed that he had no idea how much money he yeah. actually had because he got to a point where he was like, look, I don't want, you know, hit, he, he, he very, very um, like early on in his life, according to the movie anyway, he talks about St. Francis of Assisi. Right. Yeah. And talking about like just shedding off all the world's possessions and things like that. And he really embodied that. Um, that's why in the movie you'll see him like barefoot all the time. He was, he yeah. was known also when he was performing live, he was in like, cut off jeans and a white t-shirt like he just he just did not care about appearance or perception he was all about letting people know about god's love through and and what god has done god's love has done in him as well and um like that that i had heard about before but like to see it was just um was really kind of cool
0: brandon can you think of anything in the film that you particularly enjoyed
3: well just to comment on what marty was saying a little bit i i feel like this movie had a hard time or had just had a hard time figuring out uh, the kind of movie it wanted to be like, mm-hmm. I think some yeah. of the stories that Marty was just talking about and that paints a better picture to me than the movie did. And I think mm-hmm. if this was like a documentary filled with clips of Rich Mullins and interviews. Like, I think that would have been more interesting to me. Some of the, the thumbing his nose at the industry he did and, like the perpetual vagabond uh, oh. appearance and state that he found himself in it, it almost made it seem like that was his religion it was like it was like a, hmm. a religion it was like a, a religion built on not fitting in and to sure. me I, i'm sure that's not that was not like his intention he was just very um intentional about um about the things he did and said and consumed but the movie the film made it seem like uh, this was like this was his god almost you know these these things the the anti-establishment the anti-ccm rich mullins is is kind of the the poster child for being everything that that doesn't represent and to me to me that was like it it was just it was sad you know and Hmm. Honestly, I I would have been better off remembering Rich Mullins the way I did before I watched this, I think, mm. than than how I am now. So it didn't di- it didn't do anything for his memory. I feel like that. Uh, <laughs> that Zach Smith Michaels, know.
0: ruining <laughs> art for people since I'm, 2018. <laughs> and, I, and
3: I realize I'm I'm slamming the gas pedal down here a little bit, but no, do it. But honestly, I, um, I I really did. I really did have a problem with it. I think. Um, if I could put my finger on something that I I did like, I think it would be maybe his relationship with Brendan Manning. I think that was pretty powerful, mm-hmm. and I think yes, we missed. Yes. I think we missed if if we could timeline this stuff, and if we could go back, and if there was a way to map it out, I guarantee we missed a large portion of time in between his retreat with Brendan Manning and the car wreck. I I guarantee you there yeah, was a right. larger period of time there that we maybe could have spent some more time focusing on that would have given the film a little bit more of an uplifting feel to it there towards the end. But well, I for think sure. we yeah, just, yeah. we fast forward so quick to like, and then he died. And yeah, I, I didn't think that think, was just like, yeah. like hit that was like hitting the wall for me, you know, at right. at 80 miles an hour. I just, I was like, there's, there's almost nothing redemptive about this movie.
0: To talk about two things that actually I, I really enjoyed. Um, the first was when he's in that that church and when the scene where he sings, Jesus loves me, and the guy gets up and preaches the big sermon on holiness. Because I think, you know, for all of us as, you know, worship dudes, and this isn't the case for me now, but we've probably all been in scenarios where we've heard someone, you know, the pastor say something, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'm on board with that. And then they're just like, all right, now the worship team's going to come up, and you're like, uh, I don't, I don't want to feel what you just said I didn't like. So I, I really, uh, really appreciated, uh, that, that moment.
3: Yeah. And I feel like he did a good job of not being offensive. And like he said, he made his point and I don't feel like he, you know, threw it down anyone's throat, like, uh, like right after the pastor walked off the stage. So if that has, if that is true, true to how that actually went down in real life, I would say Mm -hmm. that he handled it pretty well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, there's so many things in in this movie that just kind of make me think, you know, I'm not surprised if it really did happen. I'm not surprised if, you know, like the, the scene you just described um, one of the things that I really, I could have totally done without, Mm. although I understand there's a value that it brings uh, to establishing a lot of the anxiety that he might've dealt with or the, the depression that he, you know, inevitably dealt with, uh, but I just never heard about it before, but is this whole, like this struggle or this, um, pining that he has for this woman in college. Yeah. It was weird. Like man, you know, and at the end of the movie, going back to what you were saying, Brandon, like if we had spent, I don't know, 50% less time, talking about this woman, Jess, and is she real? I don't know. It would have made this, um, especially the ending and the redemption as you were saying, you know, let's spend less time talking about her, you know, God bless her. Can we please spend some more time talking about um, the interaction between Brennan Manning and Rich? There's a reason. Okay. There's, there's a fantastic book by Brennan Manning called the ragamuffin gospel. Yeah. And, um, if you have not read it, you need to read it like whoever is listening, just find it on Amazon or wherever and and read it. It's not long, but it is so profoundly um, just amazing. And I've read it through a couple of times, but there's a reason the artwork includes Rich Mullen's face. Or, you know, his his likeness on the cover of this thing, him sitting on the on the steps of of a you know church or something, right. um, because he was so he was so uh, just marked by the idea that, that God could love him with all of his all of his faults and failures and everything that he had yeah. gotten wrong. You know, the I, I think the most profound scene in the whole movie is when. Uh, his friend, I think, his, I think his character's name is Justin, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they're in his jeep together. They're in Rich's jeep, and Justin is like, "Hey, man, I got this um, this message. I just need you to listen to it." And of course, you know, this yeah. is like the eighteenth time that Rich has gotten into the car because he's mad because those <laughs> hasn't called him back, or yeah. because you know he's had another fight with his dad, or you know, and he puts this tape in, and it's Brennan, it's a sermon by Brennan Manning talking about just the. um just the white hot love of God and how like, you know, and I think it even, I think the, the the film opens with this voiceover of the character who plays Brennan Manning talking about, you know, um, when, you know, at the end of our life, when we stand before, the throne i'm convinced that you know jesus is only going to ask me one question he's going to ask us all one question did you believe that i loved you right oh. and i think that's that bite uh, that sound bite comes out of that message that i could be wrong but um that's my favorite part of the whole thing because yeah. it did to me uh, every time I've watched this, I've not, I think watched the movie three times. It did to me exactly what it did to rich in the car. Like he pulls over, right. Yeah. And gets out of the car and he's just totally overcome by the idea that God could love him as, as much as he does, even knowing that, that he is, you know, he's messed up. Right. right. Uh, and I'm, I just, I'm the same way. That's why it connects with me. And that's why I feel like for me, like this movie really hits home mm-hmm. because of the involvement that you uh, learn about from Brennan Manning. So all that to say, I really wish they had spent a lot more time just unwrapping
3: and unpacking all of that. Yeah. I feel like not to keep going on this, you know, and this, this is the, the rich Mullins biopic. So yeah. I, I feel like there is a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of extra chaff, if you will, that we're going to have to deal with, you know, it's just, they're, they're going to, they're going to include more things like that um mm-hmm. but i think back actually to your friend Kyle Zach yes, on our yes. last recording of Mr. i Higgins, can only yeah. uh, of i can only imagine and he so uh, smartly corrected me with an Aaron Sorkin quote uh, that was you know it's it's more important to get the essence of the uh, the conversation or the scene or the event than it is to get like every piece of fact in there. And I feel like we could have maybe done with a little more essence in some of these areas. And instead of like getting word for word, the way all these conversations and interactions yeah. happened, um, yeah, I think it that, would have, it just would have been a little bit, of, a little better for the the film as a whole.
0: I think that when you have family members involved in the making right. of the movie about someone's life, there yes. can probably be a bit of them like putting their thumb on you going, Wait, you, you got to include this cuz he talks about it all happened. the time. That's not how it happened. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. well you don't you don't <laughs> need true. to include everything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, I didn't think about that. But yeah. And then another uh to kind of pivot into the next question, another scene that I I liked was a uh, after he's written awesome God and he goes in and the, uh, the whole place is sold out and he just goes, all right, let's get it over with and and plays awesome God. Cause it it reminded me of a John Mark McMillan when he uh, does how he loves now. And he just like kind of turns the mic or he'll say like, all right. And now it's time for the song that you all came to, (laughs) that you all came (laughs) to hear. And it's like, you know, as, as a huge fan of John Mark McMillan, I'm like, yeah, every, almost every song is, is better than how he loves, but that's the big worship song that that everybody knows. So that that scene I, I thought was was pretty interesting. But to I guess, I th- to, yeah, I think, for
3: though, if I could just <laughs> stop you there for a second, yes please. yes please, I think that really I put that right under my making a religion out of thumbing your nose yes. at people and the establishment. And you know what that song for, you know, no matter how much he hated it after yeah. he after it became popular. That song was special to someone. That song meant something to these people and good or bad, right or wrong. Those people were there because of that song. So to just kind of like poop it out at the beginning of your concert in that fashion, it really, it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. Mm Marty, if you want to yes, jump in please. there, but, but <laughs> I, f- I, him, I feel like it bothered, it did actually bother me. It did. Sure. Yeah.
2: I don't, I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, that, that did that. I think that's the same scene where like he gets done with a song or whatever. And he just yeah. like, there's like this, this kind of glare, this spotlight that kind of goes across his face and he takes his guitar off and he just kind of walks off. And he's like, you know uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the same scene or not, but like, I totally, uh, I think, I, I think I understand that. Um, and I can, I can relate in a very minuscule way. Hmm. All right. And here's, here's um, the shameless self-promotion here, but I wrote a song years ago. And in fact, um, it was probably the first song I ever wrote that, uh, other people heard. And, um, it was, uh, it was a song written, um, it was kind of a commissioned thing. Somebody asked me to write it. was um, a song that I wrote years and years ago called Don't Worry Child. And it was written for us, um, uh, you know, at a youth event in the Salvation Army. Um, there was a group, uh, a youth group or a selection group of of kids from the youth group from Wedgwood Baptist Church, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. And back in 2000, just uh, months after the whole Columbine school shooting thing mm. happened, this guy walks into a community prayer service at Wedgwood Baptist Church and opens fire. And uh, I, you know, I, th- I think eight people were killed another seven or eight were injured. And um, it was just, I don't know. It was just, just uh, an unimaginable tragedy, but um, fast forward a few months. And uh, at this youth event, there were some kids who came and they just wanted, you know, the the people who invited them just said, Hey, would you share your stories? What did this mean to you? And what was it like going through this?
0: Hmm.
2: And I was asked as, right, this is no, no biggie. Right. But I was asked as a response, (laughs) can you just write them a little, you know, just write them a song or something. So, because first of all, I'm not, I don't really consider myself a songwriter at this point in my life. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I write this song and um, I, I struggle so much with how to write this and what to do and what in the world could I possibly write that these people would want to hear, you know? And as I wrestled with that, I actually reached out um, to the person who asked me to, um, to write it. And um, I said, I, what, what do I say, you know? And, and she basically said, put yourself in their shoes. What would you want to hear? And, mm. um, and I thought, okay. Uh, that God was still you know in control hmm. he's still sovereign that he's he, he knows what's happening even in the midst of all the tragedy that he's still here and he still cares about us you know and she was like okay good just write about that <laughs> <And I> thought, <laughs> okay okay so, um, I, you know, it was one of those things, like I had written like two or three totally different ideas and it was one of those things where it's like, you've seen every songwriter movie. They rip the, you know, the piece of paper off the legal pad, crumpled up and throw it across the room. Yeah. I literally did that anyway. So I did the song and, uh, it, you know, it just, it just became like this, just kind of a, a letter from, from the Lord, so to speak. I wrote it from his perspective to us. Um, and you know, it just says, don't worry, child, I'm right here by your side. I've been here all along. Right. I never left. Um, and so that became uh, for me, it still was like last night, every Wednesday night, I'm doing a thing like a requesting online. Somebody requested that song last night. That was 20, wow. over 20 years ago. And I wrote that. Right. And so um, not at all that I can equate myself to this situation, uh, you know, in any way, but I can identify a little bit. I could go on and tell you that I've probably sung this song at a half a dozen funerals. Um, you know, because in the face of tragedy, this is what people have latched onto and praise God that they can find some, some solace in that. And, and I'm, I'm like humbled that, that I would even be asked to do it, but, but still like, there's just something in me that just is like, oh, you know. I have other songs. Not again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, I can even imagine somebody like a Michael W. Smith saying, you know, I will not sing Friends are Friends forever one more time. But do you know, like the kind of revolt (laughs) that would, that would like stir up. Yeah, like Steven Stephen Curtis just, Chapman didn't sing Great
0: Adventure. Exactly. We're Which we're was out. my
2: first CD. The first CD I ever purchased was that nice. record, by the way. I heard
0: you talk about that one before, but yes. Oh, yeah. The, so. It's the song that the theme song of the show is Ripping Off. So. <laughs> I love that. That's so yeah. good. So when I looked at reviews for for this movie, I was... You know, and I, I think talking to, to both of you a little bit more, I kind of am seeing a little bit more clearly now um, why maybe this is the reaction. But I saw everywhere from people like me who are like, didn't know who Rich Mullins was, found this film really inspiring and, and beautiful and really related to it. And then other people who are like, I love Rich's music what was this movie? What a disaster. I can't believe it. Yeah. And sacrilege. And, right. And then there's, on the other hand, there's people who are like, in this movie, he smokes and drinks alcohol. So there's there's kind of all these different camps. So, um, Brandon, why do you think that this movie has been so polarizing for, for fans? Because you seem to be the most uh, cold on it. So I'd be curious to hear a little bit about your thought on this.
3: Sure. Yeah. I, well, let me say first, it's not the drinking and it's not the smoking no, uh, right, no, off the, no. right off the top. It's not any of those things. I think there is a way, and I, and I will admit kind of what you're voicing right now. I'm one of the people I love Rich's music. This was, you know, blah, blah. blah. So I'm, I'm clearly, I hate being predictable, but I'm clearly falling right into that. But I think for me, there was a way to use his struggles, to use his hardships, to use his, like not, not to capitalize on his hardships, but I mm. think there was a way to use his tale as, as an inspiring story. And I feel like they missed the mark on it. I think they spent so much time raking us over the coals and just, I think back to all of like his, just his like beard scratching in the movie. Mm. Like we spent so <laughs> yeah. much time just watching him kind of like, wring his hands and beard scratch mm-hmm. that i that i grew weary you know just with all all of the his uh i don't i don't even know the right word here but it it just didn't work for me i think mm-hmm. i think there was a way to show here's a man who really dealt with depression here's right. a man who dealt with serious loss here's a man who was never shown love from his father um i think all of those messages, all of those things people can identify with. Uh-huh. And I think then you, then you kind of show them how he uh, found the light at the end of the tunnel, how he was able to use his, his hardships, not as a superpower, right, but right as <laughs> something that made him stronger. Yeah. And as like, yeah. as a unique pathway to God, mm. I think ultimately is, is what we're talking about here is every story is unique. his, his story was certainly, certainly unique. But yeah. this paints him as a tragic figure. And I think if we were able to talk to Rich right now, I I know he would not view himself that way. I know mm. he would view himself as a success story, as someone who found God, found, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I just think in general, the contemporary christian music world
2: would have you uh think and when i say world i don't mean necessarily the artists who are making the music i don't necessarily mean the record labels who are making it happen i think it's just this subculture mm-hmm. of uh you know if you want to call them soccer moms or whatever i think i think there's just over the last 20 30 years or so there's just been this or maybe even more than that there's become this this false idea that like people who who write and release Christian music? Like they've got it all figured out. Right, yeah. their lives are—they're like just—they're yeah. picture perfect, and they're writing songs about it. You know, and i I think, I think it's those kind of people who are the ones who leave comments. Like one that I read—I don't remember which YouTube link it was. <laughs> But this woman talking about, like, I can't believe they would portray Rich this way. His hair is all disheveled and and he's, you know, he's wearing <laughs> ratty clothes and, and he'd show up to do gigs. And, and like, but that's that's actually true. Right. He mm-hmm. actually was like that. And I, if, if we are if we're going to spend any amount of energy complaining about that kind of stuff, then we're missing the whole point.
0: Well, folks, it's about that time where we're going to use our Manners. <laughs> Just like when they offered you more lasagna at your church's potluck, when I offer you more of Ragamuffin, you will hit me with a yes, please, or a no, thank you. So Brandon, do you want more uh, content like Ragamuffin? Would you like some more lasagna?
3: You know, I'm really torn here. It, it's not it's not going to be just a straight up and down no from me like you think I, I should be saying right now. Um, I I think overall it's probably no, but I'm really torn because I think there are some good moments in this movie. I think there are some good takeaways, but if I have to pick, I'm going to say it's a no for me. I, I think Rich Mullins is someone who really shaped the way I view christian music i i I, this is this is the the hammer dulcimer guy i mean like his (laughs) music is so uplifting and prolific and powerful and he did so many great things for christian music Uh and um you know i'm not interested in sticking my head in the sand and um only remembering the good things about rich's life that's not that's not what I, you know, want to do here. Uh, Rich Mullen's demons made him who he was and um, really defined his path to to God. And I think it's it's in a very important story. And I think there there was a good film in there. I think we got loaded down with a bunch of chaff, like I, you know, like I was talking about before. And I think I think I could have done with without some of that. I just feel like the overall, this movie was not very mindful of Rich's memory and um, his death and many parts of his life are tragic. And I, I feel like uh, with that in mind, I feel like the, the movie could have just taken a little more time to focus on uh, the impact he had on people's lives. And um, yeah, we would have been better off.
0: Marty, would you like more ragamuffin flavored lasagna?
2: Oh, man. Here's the thing. There's just, you know, there's just certain things that that. Uh even if you know you shouldn't take it, you still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know as a as a person who um, can identify part of his life as a songwriter and um, as a storyteller through music. Um, I just I I just I'm all about uh, learning more and more about about what what Rich contributed uh, mm-hmm. to the Christian songwriting world. And so even if I I feel like I'm f- well, I'll probably still take some, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say yes, please uh, to this one, but just with uh, with the idea that like maybe I know it's going to be another month before I consume some more.
0: Right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, yeah, and I think I think I'll round it out and I'll say. I, you know, I think I'm gonna say no thank you. I feel like from a filmmaking standpoint, I appreciated kind of the indie vibe to it. I, there are definitely things, I thought the performances were, were good for the most part. I thought that there were some really good moments, but overall, you know, once we got to the Brendan Manning stuff, I think I had kind of accepted that I was no longer watching a movie and just kind of like a collection of stories. And, you know, I was like, well, some of these stories are going to be better than other ones. And again, I'm not saying no, thank you because I didn't like it, but it's kind of like, like you were saying, Marty, I think I'm full. folks ragamuffin is free so I think if you I think if you've listened to our conversation yeah do it uh, yeah why I see for yourself this is one they're like you know it's not like God's not dead where I'm like please stay away from it this is one I think you might have a really nice experience with and you might not but I think it's kind of worth similar to last temptation of Christ I think it's kind of worth seeing for yourself Uh, I'm sure you land on that Marty Michaels Marty yes, Michaels, Marty Michaels. Thank you so much for being a guest on Godfellas today. It's an honor to man. have you on our show.
2: Thank you for having me, man. This has, yeah, been, good good. This you, has man. been good meeting you, man. Good. Yeah, it's good to yeah. meet you too, sir.
0: Yeah, you're yeah, a well, and you are welcome back anytime, Marty. You have an open invitation. So, Marty, if people want to check you out, uh, and we'll put links to your your stuff in the in the show notes. But if people want to check out what you're up to, where's the best place for them to do that?
2: Uh, hands down the best place. Um, just because it's, it's it's like 98% of my life right now, but it's with outside worship. You can go to outsideworship.com and get all uh, the information you could possibly ever want, uh, about all that we're doing right there. So Mm. yeah,
0: check it out. It's good. And everyone please check out here to remember it's, it's very, very good. Uh, I've been listening to it in my car nonstop. Uh, nice it's got some it's got some good songs on there it's got some really good singing too so you should thanks you should man check it
2: out man. hey so Brandon you mentioned just a minute ago about the like the dulcimer he's the dulcimer guy right Rich yeah. Mullen's dulcimer guy and uh, I've been thinking about how like that sound Right. is so much of rich. And I feel like I don't really know that anyone used it before he came along. And then all of a sudden, fast forward 20 years, Coldplay is using it. And, you know, a lot right. of other people are using it. Yeah. Now, I, I realized like anybody could use this instrument whatever. But that is a staple for me is the sure. Rich sound is that hammered dulcimer. And uh, so much so um, when we were working on one particular song, Ooh. the song that we wrote called uh, Back Into the Light actually um we sample some uh some hammer and dulcimer in there just because like i don't know it's just a little hat tip to mr mullins you know yeah. um I almost almost pay a little homage to him all
0: yeah. right so instead of hearing uh godfellas never say die you're going to be able to hear <laughs> one of the the great songs from here to remember so so uh is that the one marty back back, back the into the light yeah back into the light all right we will play that out for for everybody well again thank you for listening to Godfellows make sure that you come back next month when we're going to be talking about apostle peter and the last supper with my old youth pastor so that's going to be really fun everybody but until then i've been mr zach i've
3: been mr brandon and i've been mr
0: marty
1: oh! Walking in darkness In the shadow of death Just waiting for someone to rescue me Locked away In my sin and confusion Your love tore through the night Those prison doors flung open wide from death to life, Jesus, you raised me. You give every life again. Your life in mine is so freely given. It's no longer I right who live. I was alone in the darkness. I was dead in the night. You raised me to life, you loved me back again to the light The blood of Jesus makes me clean Nothing can stand against me Darkness now has to flee His glorious light shines in me
3: Here. I want Ooh. more movies about Amy Grant being the wicked stepmother of CCM <laughs> and and just the way the way she just leeches anything fresh and new out of the industry like first, after watching I can only imagine Bart. <laughs> this, I'm like did oh, she I just heard about that I did forgot she just that, yeah. snipe yeah. all the fresh songwriters <laughs> and just get I that bothered me anyway sorry. I-